guys. Today I got with me Lyle and I got uh, Chuck here with us today. Brian's sick, so we're going to do this here amongst the three of us, I guess. And uh, the first thing I wanted to do is uh, I wanted to show the uh, people this, and I'm going to flip this over while I'm, I'm talking. Can you see that? Yes. The, the picture? Yeah, okay. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, the uh, coffin in the boat. I think if uh, I get ready to go, I think that's the way I want to go. I can relate to that. That's um, I've seen that online. It's pretty impressive to deal, and, and uh, that would be the highest honor or respect you could give to a guy that's devoted his life to the fishing industry. Yeah, I'm probably not going to do a casket. I'm probably going to do an urn, but same. I think I want to do the same thing. Right, right. But that's that's pretty outstanding. It has a good story on that too. Yeah. Okay. I can't take it with you. You watch me. I bet you I take my black horse rods with me. <laughs> I know I'm going to. Yeah, when I was younger, my boys lived at home and. And uh, we had horses and big trucks and horse trailers, and one wanted this and one wanted that. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. When I go, just uh, put me in the truck with the horse trailer, throw a couple of horses in it, and then you guys won't have nothing to fight about. <laughs> Did you see that, Chuck, that uh, that article? Oh, yes. That's great. Yeah. Classic, uh, man. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, who's going to be using my boat after I'm gone? You know, I don't want <laughs> Well, I'm afraid my I'm afraid my wife will let her new boyfriend drive it. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking Leanne's got that boat covered or something happened. Oh, you bet. <laughs> hey, uh, Lyle, have you heard anything else about our little buddies down there in the radio station? The ones uh, not, too much. not too Recently. much. Not too much. They're still. Uh, um, Running off about the um, about the uh, law that's been passed and uh, it goes into effect March first, and there's not anything they can do about it. But you know um, they've moved now from the defensive to the aggressive side of it, trying to uh, basically what they're doing is telling people that uh, the conservation department doesn't have enough law enforcement down there, so uh, go ahead and keep what you want and take your chances, which is pretty pretty dumb move because. Uh, they yeah. are going to write you tickets, and and you're going to get fined if you keep slot limit fish, and if you keep more than two over 34 inch. So, uh, you know, for some reason they have it in their mind that they're trying to eliminate trot lining and jug lining and stuff like that, and that's not not at all true because they want those smaller fish caught out of there. They're just so overpopulated with below slot limit numbers that those fish have got to be caught and kept. And well, you that's know, why they've done this. With the with the jugging and the trot lining, though, it don't make any difference. You're still only allowed to keep so many. So I don't know yeah, why why anybody bitches about it. Well, they raised the limit. They've raised the limit from five blues a day to ten, but you can only you can't keep any in the slot limit, and you only keep two over thirty four. But you can keep more fish. So you know, I really I've never understood what their bitch was about it. But you know, they're they're believer that they're trying to stop trot liners and 
and jug liner, and that's far from the truth. They just they just want to get the smaller fish well, caught out so the bigger fish can continue to grow and get the breeding size. But I can't see a radio station keeping them on the air as long as they're telling people to break the limits. That's ignorant. Well, it, and it is. Um, one of the deals that is very upsetting to me is uh, the guy that does the G3 Sportsman TV show. Um, I'm sure that they give him three free trips to go up there and duck hunt with them boys and go on fishing trips with them, and that's all fine and good. But uh, a guy like that should have more common sense than to go in and support that kind of a deal when we're trying to preserve the trophy fish. And everywhere that that's been done, the numbers of big fish have grown dramatically. All the convenience stores and motels, the restaurants in those areas, they all flourish. And, and to support something like that from his perspective is very, uh, very disrespectful to what we're trying to get done. All right. Well, you know, uh, hey, uh, did I tell you, I ended up having to do this. I don't want to say it, but I ended up finding a, where, a place to get my, uh, my 10 knots. Uh -huh. um, took almost two weeks, and I'm, they got stuck in customs for about a week. Yeah. And finally, I finally got them. So awesome. I think I'm going to go down to the Mississippi next week if there's not a whole lot of ice floating. Well, I'd, uh, I don't know what's on there. I know above some of the dams that there's quite a bit of ice, but I think below them it's clear, and the Missouri is pretty much clear, I believe, from what I've been it was ice. There was ice flowing there by Chain Rocks the other day. Yeah, yeah. That's probably coming through the dam would be my guess. And when I fish when I fish on the bank, that's where I fish at. So. Now, I went across the, the Louisiana Bridge. Uh, the closest dam would have been... Um, nine miles and uh, a barge or something had been up through there and broke a path out of it. But it was, you know, it had ice. But that, that backs up from the Parksville Dam and, and uh, it, it just sets in there until it goes through or melts out or whatever. But something had definitely been through there. But there's a lot of ice above the dams right now. I ain't even checked to see if it's come up or not. But no, I haven't either. Should have done that. But anyway, um, Everything I wanted to talk about was the new rules in Tennessee. You knew that um, they dropped us down to 100 on the uh, uh, skipjack. But an interesting thing that I also found when I was researching that was uh, they got new rules. Um, you're only allowed three hooks on each line, so that makes to see beaky rigs illegal now in Tennessee. Right, yeah, and that's something when you told me that, I didn't realize that that would be the case, and the only way that, that you would be able to use them would be to cut off half of them hooks. Yeah, it's uh, just which, like the umbrella rigs, you know, you, you you have to cut them off here. Right, yeah, that's what you'd have to do, and I did not know that that uh, that they had passed that part of the law. I knew that, that uh, it was 100 fish limit, 200 in possession, which that you know really that's not a bad deal. I don't think anybody's going to complain about that because you could spend a couple of days and get your 200 fish to, to come back, or or uh, if so, two or three of you go down there, that's still a lot of fish to to keep and bring home. But the the deal on the hooks, the amount of hooks that you was allowed in there, I did not know about that uh, until you brought that up. Well, that's what I found. I found that on their DNR website. So. Well, that's not here I know, to say that. That's what I found on the site. Yeah, there's several guys that I know of that's been down there recently, and they're still not having any 
any problem getting their their skipjacks. That's see, I, John and uh, three friends of his went down, and in uh, three hours they had uh, between four of them they had 326. And uh, Rustin went down the other day, and I, I don't never did get an exact number. If I did, I forgot what it was, but uh, they got a pretty good mess of them too, and in a short period of time. So they've really been in below them them steam plants and stuff, and and uh, you know them guys are getting ready for their tournament seasons. Uh, hey, uh, I seen that you did an article over on InsideCatfishing.net, mm-hmm. and uh, it was about um, what, what was that about? Uh, uh, sponsorship and uh, pro staff, something that that you thought you needed to pass along. Well, you know, every year we go through a, a period of time when everybody's wanting to fish, and it's really not uh, ideal conditions, and, and everybody gets uh, the fishing fever. And the next thing you know, uh, uh, not just me, but Dave and, and uh, Dave and Griff, all them guys, they start getting bombarded with people wanting sponsorships, and, and you can't give that to everyone. Nobody can afford it, not even the big companies. But what happens is people get mad at you because you – pick someone else or you don't pick them or whatever and I just thought it was time to write a little article to say what you have to do to have a shot at it for one and second off not to get discouraged if if, if a company or a group does not pick you up to sponsor you one year that does not mean that you're not going to get it sometime down the road you always got a shot at it you, then guys are just saying hey you probably could get this but we just don't feel like you're ready at this particular time and, uh, you know, it, it works both ways. Uh, Cindy and I have been passed up a few times by companies that I thought would pick us up and didn't. And uh, um, I, I've actually offered sponsorship to some guys that, that turned me down, and, and uh, that was the most disappointing of all. And uh, some of these guys are pretty big deals, and others of them, you know, a, good, a couple of good guys that I know fish in Illinois, I offered them a deal a couple of years ago. And, and they turned me down, and, and uh, they just didn't want to get tied down to one certain thing. And I do understand that that end of it. But um, most of the people that we do stuff for are hand-picked. And, and uh, even though I get uh, hundreds of resumes every year, um, the ones that have been the most successful for me is, is if I've been watching somebody for two or three years, and um, I have my eye on them, and I know what, what they've been doing, and, and them two people that I'm after, then that's who I normally uh, try to approach. And, and one of the uh, the uh, highlights of that would have been Doc and, and Tim, uh, Lynn Lang, uh, you know, uh, visited with Doc when we was all BOC members. Back when I was a BOC member, there was only 600 uh, members on there that was newly started, and Doc and I get to visit about catfishing, and, and he has an outstanding a website with so much information on it, and I knew that that him and Lynn would be ideal people to test stuff for me, and and uh, that's how I find out if it's really good. Is if I go out and like it, that that just means I like it. But if somebody else goes out and uses it, tests it, and puts a lot of fish on it, then I can say, yeah, that's a good product. And and um, and Tim and Lynn, they they are absolutely some of the finest people in the world to do that with, and. And uh, Jason Athena and Vicky and, and they're good. Jason Jackson's a guy that guys like that are just irreplaceable. Rest of the uh, them kind of guys. But the other thing that, that I mentioned in that article is 
you do not have to be a guide or a tournament fisherman to get that kind of relationship with a company. But what you have to be is out in the public eye and be knowledgeable about the product so that you can share the information and be able to ask questions when them guys ask, ask them about it. Yeah. I just uh, was asked, you know, why did I have a sponsorship when I don't even uh, tournament fish? I said, you know, I do uh, I do something different than everybody else. So, uh, a lot of charity work and different stuff like that. And, you know... Yeah, you're out in the public eye. You, people get to see you. They know what you're doing. And, and uh, uh, like I say, it's, it's not 100% about being a tournament fisherman or being a guide. Uh, if you're out in the public view all the time and, and you're knowledgeable about the products that you're trying to, to share with people, that goes a long ways. And, and what you're doing is, is a specialty thing that very few people do. And I have to commend you on that, Paul, because um, everybody does not take the time to go out and spend with kids uh, we try to, to do that with Twisted Cat Outdoors in our tournaments. We offer a youth division and a ladies division to bring more of those people into the tournaments. But uh, I, I know you're going to nursing homes and places like that and, and doing things for these people. Uh, I have a mother in a nursing home, and I know how hard it is to get people to do that, and that's a very reputable thing to be doing, and that's why you get the good sponsorships. Yep. Well, uh, see what else. There was something else I wanted to cover. I think that was the Twisted Cat tournaments. You, uh, you handle that, and I believe that Chuck had some questions that, uh, or or things that he wanted to bring up with you. So I'm gonna cut Chuck loose on you here for a few minutes. All right. Yeah. Uh, when you're reviewing. Uh, Usually when they start releasing the tournament schedules, you know, usually a little bit before Christmas, uh, up into January, they're still switching stuff around. And I know uh, that they're still trying to get their stuff together, but the, the participants of the, uh, the tournament are not really getting the information that we need on each individual tournament. We have a list of tournaments and the dates. But then, you know, well, especially when it's a bordering state tournament, which there's quite a few out now. Mm -hmm. um, any kind of uh, state agreements with each other, if you can use their fishing license in this state, if you can transport fish uh, over certain size limits from from this state over into this state, um, and it gets real confusing. And um, you know, even though the tournament director says it's okay in the past. But you've talked to other guys that's fished that trail. Uh, you, you really don't know if it's you know ethical when you're doing the right thing if it's unlawful. Because uh, everybody's got different opinions, and it you never got a straight answer on the uh, you know if you're doing the right things and, and how things go. Because well, I've asked questions, and they say, "Well, the director let us do it last year." These guys that won this tournament was way up here, and they had this bison, and they transported these this year. The law says they shouldn't, but everything was okay for it in that tournament. Did they do something wrong? Did they make an exception for the tournament? I think, uh, I think somebody's well, got some background noise, and it's making them sound choppy. Am I getting choppy? Have you got TV on, Chuck? Uh, in the very back bedroom. Uh, okay, it's not, that's not good. No, that's not it. 
one thing about that, that I'll say on this, you know, when you're having issues like that from the uh, from the tournaments and you can't find out specific information, I would contact the tournament director, whoever it might be having the tournaments, and see if they can get you the information and try to tell them that they need to post that on their website or somebody else's website. But the one thing that you have to remember is you cannot take their word for it. Uh, when we have tournaments, sometimes we have bordering, like Keokuk, Iowa, borders three states, and I try to get all the information that I can posted uh, on TCO website before the tournament. But if there's any questions, you need to contact uh, the conservation departments in those states and make sure because there's nobody going to get that ticket but you and nobody's going to bail you out on it. So even if the tournament director says, hey, this is the way it is, He's just not the one that makes those decisions. It's done from each state. We have a lot of bordering state laws, and and um, I'll give you a real good example. Uh, a couple years ago, Chris Cordy and J.D. Richardson was fishing a tournament in Quincy, Illinois, and it was, bo it was on the Mississippi River. Uh, your license are good for either state, so it's really not an issue. And they was catching shad in an inlet, and they moved the boat with a trolling motor. Well, they come over there as a brand-new boat and have nothing wrong with it, JD didn't own the boat. He didn't own the kid, but he got a ticket for for the for uh, Stephen not having a life jacket on because he's under 15 and the boat moved. And one of the batteries didn't have the terminals covered up, which they done done after the fact with black tape, and that tossed the guy. But anyhow, JD sitting in the driver's seat, so he got the tickets for all that stuff. And those those laws are not in Missouri, but yet you could catch fish in either one. So. Um, you have to make yourself aware of them and, and not 100% take the word of the tournament director because he can be wrong and he's not the one going to be liable for it. And make sure you write the name down of the person you talk to, too. Absolutely. We got into another issue with that up there at Keokuk last year. Uh, we had a tournament up there, and I was uh, told that, that uh, the, the, the um, boat ramp was owned by the city and we didn't need any permits. We got up there and about five hours before the tournament, the Conservation Department of Iowa would come up and said, hey, do you have a permit to have this tournament? I said, don't need one. He said, really? He told you that? And I said, well, such and such told me that, and he checked it all out. He lives here. He said, well, I'm telling you that you do have to have one, and if you have that tournament, everybody entered in the tournament will get a ticket. And I said, well, you can't do that. I said, What's it? Well, you know, what we got to do to get it straightened out? So uh, at that particular time, it was too late to get the ticket, so they wrote a ticket for which cost us $200, uh, you go ahead and have the tournament, and uh, for a $50 permit, I'll never let it happen again. But we was told we didn't need one, so we didn't get one. Uh, now we know that we'll have one, and we'll never pay that $200 again. But, that you know, that was one of the deals where, where uh, we was told one thing. The guy thought that he told us right, but it wasn't right. And uh, it was a $195 fine is what it amounted to be. So it can happen to anybody, you know, but, uh, you know, the tournament directors need to be abroad aware of what they need to post and get the correct, most correct information they can get for the tournament fishermen and women. And um, uh, then, you know, I would never take their word for it, you know, because they can be wrong and uh, they're not going to tell you something wrong about uh on purpose because they want you to come back and fish them tournaments. You know they don't want you getting tickets, getting mad, never coming back. But uh, like I say, they can be they can be wrong. They can be told wrong, uh, misunderstood things. So 
But yeah, I, I think that it would help a great deal if any information like that was posted on Twisted Cat Outdoors or, or Catfish and Freaks or uh, one of the other websites, uh, Pro, Catfish and Pro, uh, any of those places that handle information for, for tournaments, uh, put those things up and, and say, hey guys, can you get me this information? And, uh, you know, uh, I have a very good friend that uh, works for the conservation department. If I have any questions, I can call him up. He gives me the correct answers, uh, and that's that's what you need because uh, it, there's nothing worse dampering your a good weekend if you're on good fish than getting a ticket and and uh, not being able to turn your fish in because a lot of times if you get a ticket then they're going to take your fish. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess uh, you done, Chuck. Yeah, I'm done. That was great. <clears throat> Maybe. Uh, I know we're getting ready for a Twisted Cat outdoor tournaments coming up, so if you want to cover that real quick, Lyle, and then we'll start wrapping it up a little bit. What uh, What would you like to visit about about the tournaments, Paul? Well, I'm sure that uh, that uh, you got a tournament schedule in front of I you. I do or? have it. I do have now a couple of these were we're kind of waiting on a few things, uh, but at this particular point. Providing that we have ice out February 22nd at Columbia Bottoms, uh, be right off, right off of the ramp is right off the Missouri River, uh, right where the confluence of Missouri and Mississippi is, and it's right below the Alton Dam. Uh, tournaments, all day tournaments start at seven o'clock in the morning. That'll be launch time, so you need to be there early. Uh, they end at three. Um, if the ice is out and it's safe to go, we're going to have one there the February 22nd. March 22nd, April 19th will be in Meridoshi, Illinois. May 24th will be in Nauvoo, Illinois. June 14th, and again at Columbia Bottoms. Keokuk, Iowa, July 12th. We have an open date that's pending an approval for our tournament, uh, August 16th. September 20th will be at Quincy, Illinois at Southside Boat Club. And then uh, October 4th. Fourth and fifth, and that date may change one either ahead one week or back one week because we have a conflict with another tournament series that's uh, within our area, and we don't want both of them to be on the same date. That way, guys who want to fish both of them can fish both of them. Um, so it's fourth and fifth of October at this particular time, but it may be moved back a week or moved up a week. We haven't got we got plenty of time to, to get that worked out. But we, you know, the guys that want to fish in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, and I like to fish over there too, so we don't want them on the same date, so everybody can can make them. Um, three fish limit to, for the tournament. Um, you can't be late for weigh in. You know, just it's pretty uh, standard format that we've been using for a long time. Um, no trailering. We took the trailering out. We have too much issues with that. People talk about people having fish stashed and different things, and we're just not going to do that anymore. I never did like the rule, but uh, it's just something that we're not going to have. Every place that ever has trailering rule allows trailering in their tournaments. They end up having issues with that. And if you don't have it, you don't have to worry about it. One thing that we do do is allow three people to a team. There's no age restriction on that to help cut the cost for somebody fishing the tournaments. And if anybody has any questions or anything they'd like to visit with me about, they can send me a text or, P or a, prefer not a text. I don't text real well. Put a PM or an email or give me a call, and I'll be glad to help them with anything they need. Of course.
course, any, it don't matter what rules you have anyway. Somebody's always going to bitch, 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 bitch. <laughs> well, we, you do get some of that. We really don't have that much of it, but, but there is a couple of guys that, that uh, you know, you're always going to have a few. But um, we, went, we went the first five years and never had an issue, not one. And uh, the last couple of years, we've had a few issues. And, and one of the biggest complaints, we actually lost some, some people, uh, participants, uh, on account of the trailering rule and a guide rule, which, again, I didn't like that, but I agreed to do it. And uh, it didn't last but one year. The trailering rule lasted two years. It took me a little while to figure out it was costing us people entering the, entering the tournament. So uh, we've done away with that, too. And um, like I say, the first five years, we didn't have any troubles, and that's what we want to go back to. We don't have issues, and that's the best way. Okie dokie. And that, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. You guys stay with me and okay. do a little powwow after a while. But we're going to call the uh, call the video a night. Take care, and until next time, if you ain't fishing, you ain't living.